if you leave the room of a pitch and you're like, that was amazing, then you probably bombed and did not connect. But if you leave the room and you're like, I feel good, I feel like I really got them involved, and you can suppress those dopamine surges, then you really did something. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast, where host Barry O'Reilly seeks to synthesize the superpowers of extraordinary individuals to think big, start small, and learn fast. Here's your host, Barry O'Reilly. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast. On this show, I'm delighted to welcome back Diana Kander, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and sexful entrepreneur who's led many ventures across her lifetime. Currently, she's been working on the fantastic book, Go Big or Go Home. It really talks about how do people close deals? How do rainmakers pull off the big sales? How do you create a great logical argument to help people understand the power of your pitch? In her book, she talks about the greatest memorable pitches in film, sports, business and philanthropy. But she also teaches amazing systems to help you tell your story, to help your message land and connect with customers who want to buy your services. This is a fantastic, fun read. I highly recommend everybody checks it out. But before you go into the book, let's hear about what prompted her to want to start to even write it. So I get a call out of the blue from a CEO of this company that creates experiences for like sports teams, universities, you know, they create big experiences. And we had a mutual friend in common. And he said, I want to write a book about our company. And I was like, cool, good for you, buddy. I do not want to be a part of it. You know, he was like, would you write it with me? And I was like, zero chance. And he said, well, that's cool. Would you at least come take a tour? And I was like, okay, you know, I'm curious. I'm open to new experiences. So he's giving me the tour. And he shows me, he's like, well, that's the world's biggest 3D printer. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And he said, we used it to build the world's biggest 3D thing, which is the giant torch in the new Las Vegas Raiders stadium. It's like oh, three no stories is, tall. Yeah, yeah all that 3D is pretty printed. cool. Yeah, and I was cool. like, well, how did a company out of Kansas City get a project like that? And he goes, oh, we got this move that we do to get big deals. And our usual closing rate is like 45%. But when we do this move, we close 90%. And I was like, you close 90% of these really difficult to win deals. And he's like, yeah. Right. High value. I imagine that's at a big expense as well, right? Yeah. And so I started interviewing some of his employees, some of their customers who have been on the receiving end. And up came this philosophy that has changed my entire perspective on pitching and sales. By the end of it, I was begging him to co-author this book with him. I was like, please, please let me do this. So he used the move on me you know, to get me involved in the book. While it is a small departure for my curiosity and innovation work, this thing is so cool. And I just have to tell everybody I can about it. When I think about the work you do and you help people with is then their ability to communicate the idea, to get people excited for it to land, for people to actually get the context in a short amount of time about why this thing is different. That is a core skill. I see this a lot in our studio. Why do some teams get funded and why do some teams not? And the art of storytelling has a huge impact on it, especially in startups when in the beginning where you have absolutely nothing, <laughs> you're rubbing two sticks together and you're trying to explain to people that it's going to turn into the Empire State Building eventually. So how do you get people on that journey? 
obviously the book is packed with so many tools and techniques and I'm going to do a keynote literally straight after this talk and I'm like stealing all of these tools to write the talk <laughs> as well, which is fantastic. So tell us a little bit more then, right? You met this fantastic, interesting character. You met the company, you talked to the customers, you did lots of research. What were some of the things that started to strike you that we know writing a book is a task that really difficult, hard and long process, right? It's not like something you do in a couple of days. For you to want to make that personal investment with someone you've sort of relatively just met to go on this journey with them, what were some of the things that really sort of got you excited as you started to dig into how this business was telling their story, if you will? I learned that there's a science to being memorable, Barry. In this day and age, when our competition is so stiff, like I believe that everything does everything. Every TV does the same thing. Every phone does the same thing. And they're all awesome. It's so difficult for us to differentiate ourselves. So if we could be memorable, then we would make sure that our business is thriving and we work with those clients that we want to. Yeah, it's so true. Sometimes people show that picture of a remote control and look at all the buttons on it and all the features. <laughs> what were some of the things you started to discover about being memorable? To understand being memorable, we have to first understand how forgetting works, Barry. The science says that an hour after your keynote today, they will have forgotten 50% of it. So sad. Went, went. <laughs> and a week after your presentation, they will have forgotten 90% of it. And you don't get to choose the 10% they remember. They're going to remember the headphones you wore, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah it's the detail. Yeah, absolutely. Silly things that you said. And there's a way for us to mess with this curve. There's a way for us to work okay. it in our favor and get them to remember more. And the secret is to spike their emotional levels during the presentation to make them feel something. And when we feel, we remember. So for instance, you remember every single part of your wedding day or the day that your child was born. Like you remember every detail of that day, but the day a month prior, you know nothing about. And that's because our emotions are directly tied to our memories. So if we can create some kind of emotional spike, they will remember what we said better and be much more likely to act upon it. And so we identified five different tools, things that you could do to connect with somebody on an emotional level to help them remember what it is that you said. Yeah, no, it's great. So true about tying memory to emotion, whether it's a favorite song, whether it's when you hurt yourself, whatever it may be. That's a really interesting point. Trying to create emotion reactions in a talk, that's an art you know, looking for all the people who are going to buy your book, they're going to learn it, which is great. <laughs> I'm sitting here learning it. So take us through this idea of creating these sort of moments. I'm sure many people are listening, thinking like great presentations they saw, great presenters, stand-up comics, another thing that you do as a hobby, which is awesome, by the way. <laughs> but a lot of it is creating these moments and it's an art form. So tell us a little bit about for somebody who's hearing this and they can recognize they've probably been on the receiving side of that, how can they actually create some of it? Sure. So a lot of people talk about how they want the audience to feel after a presentation, but people don't feel anything for an hour. We feel things for just a split second. And so I really want you to think about your presentation and where in that presentation are going to be those moments that the feeling is going to happen. And the framework we created spells out the word magic. So five different things, each one, the letters of magic 
starts the short segment. So I, I brought a book, Barry. I'm going to just read it to you so I don't get it wrong. Okay, just real quick. Here are the five things that you can do to spike emotions for people. M, you can make it surprising. A, you can analyze them on a deeper level. G, you can give the pitch in the right order. I, you can include 3D objects. And C, you can co-create together. So these are ingredients that are available to anybody. And whether you're making a presentation and you want it to be acted upon or remembered, or if you're applying for a job and you want to get picked, I've started a side hobby helping people get jobs using this methodology. I'm up to six. I'm very excited. Number seven's in the works at the moment. And if you're pitching a huge deal or you just want to rethink your sales process, what are those interactions that we have with prospects and are they magical and memorable? That's the framework and the different applications. And I'm happy to dive into any examples or whatever you want to chat about. What I love about this is shock to most readers. I'm here with the book open as well, like looking at this <laughs> fantastic model you've created about how to do this. And instantly, when you give people these types of frameworks and tools, and you've also given them like a method, if you will, like map their talk. And just like whether it's a movie you're listening to and there's peaks and troughs to the story or there's moments of high intensity, there's moments of rest. There's, as you say, fun interactions with items or objects. These are great sort of tools, if you will, for people to sort of take and use in their own talks. So what's been the most surprising time where you picked one of these tools and used it and what kind of reaction you got that maybe even surprised you as a result? Well, I like to do it live, Barry. So I came here with a gift for you. Something personal. Oh, nice. Well, thank you. You're traveling now, Barry, and you've been traveling a lot. So I made you a luggage tag. Ah, And the luggage tag just says nobody because of Barry's work in nobody's studio. And the idea of having a luggage tag that just says nobody would make for a great conversation starter, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I'm nobody. So you could be like, let me tell you about my studio. And so Barry... We just did a couple of them. We did something surprising, which was also fun. And we used a 3D object. But it was also based on some deeper research about you and what you stand for. And these tools really work even better if we kind of stack them together. So my favorite magic moment is always the next one. I usually have something in my back pocket. Totally. It seems like such a fun. And like I've seen you present. It's an experience, as you say, but it's great to think about how you're intentionally creating those experiences for people, managing the energy through the whole time that you spend with them, that it's fun, that it's engaging. That's one thing that struck me when I first saw you present. It was fun. I was active. I was engaged. It was playful. And I think that's one of these things that so much gets lost when we do innovation and people get up there and go case study and this is what some unicorn company did that's an anecdotal story that they went for a run tripped over a stone and launched a billion dollar company and you could do that too if you just tripped (laughs) over the right stone i think these sort of examples where what you're talking about that they're made very personalized they're very specific to the people who are receiving the messages but then they're taking the information and taking action as well this is why the one that really resonated a lot with me was this notion of co-creator Because I think that's something that is so special when you get it right on a talk where 
people often go in with the assumption that they're going to be information is just going to come at them to be absorbed. And then when they go home, they'll take that information and do something with it. But as you already mentioned, people forget half of it, 99% of it, to be fair. But this co-creation act means that in essence, the people start to own information that you've put out there and they've internalized it and created something with it. So can you share a little bit more about this idea of how you create co-creation for people in sessions? Because that's something I think that for me anyway, really stood out as an interesting technique. Yeah, there's a great quote in the book from Oliver Stone that says, co-creation is an act of seduction. That's really how I think about it. If you go into a pitch and you're pitching an idea and it's fully baked, you just need to tell them your thing and then you're going to leave and they're going to be so impressed, then you likely will lose the deal. But if there are specific sections of the presentation that are their turn to add value, you'll get them. And so one of the best examples that are is an innovation specific example from the book is Jim McKelvey, the founder of Square. Whenever he would go into a pitch, he had a slide that said 140 reasons why this wouldn't work. And so he laid out all the reasons. And now the investors are saying, no, no, no. Well, we could help you fix this one. And they're arguing against him about why he's wrong for these reasons that it wouldn't work. So rather than being in an antagonistic relationship, which is how most pitch meetings go, now they're on the same side of the table. And somebody in the meeting, one of the meetings is like, well, I'm on the board of Amazon, so I can make sure that Amazon doesn't compete with you. And it's these kinds of relationship building moments where they are saying to themselves why they want to be a part of this. And if you don't give them that opportunity, I think you're going to walk out of the room empty handed. Such a great example. I love that. We actually had Jim on the show and he talked about it as well. Yeah, oh, really? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did he say? Exactly what you said. He didn't frame it in the terms of co-creation, which is interesting as you're describing it there. It was this notion of getting people involved in the problem too, working together, similar flavor. But what I love about how you were describing it there, though, is in many ways, you have to take a risk. You have to take the risk of not being in control of the whole end-to-end. And I think sometimes when people present, pitch, whatever, they almost feel like they have to fill up the whole time exactly as they want it to be, as exactly as they want it to go. I've refined this pitch, this talk track, this whatever, like I've refined it and I just need to share it with people and then it'll all be fine. I've seen that never go well, actually. The person delivering it feels good. Because they're like, oh, I executed what I wanted to perfectly. But the audience are sitting there going like, oh, cool, that was a good backflip. (laughs) And, you know, in the book, we talk about the science of why that feels so good to you, that when you talk about yourself, it releases dopamine in your brain at the same tune as candy, sugar or sex. So it's a really powerful drug to be able to talk about yourself. If you leave the room of a pitch and you're like, that was amazing, then you probably bombed and did not connect. But if you leave the room and you're like, I feel good, I feel like I really got them involved, and you can suppress those dopamine surges, then you really did something. Yeah, no, it's great. That's, for me, a little bit of, it's almost like improvisation or improv, where you've got to create space for magic to happen and trust that you can respond to the situation or be okay that you actually don't even have the answer 
for everything that people come up in. In some respects, if the room, as you described, even with the example with Square, where other people are working the problem and presenting solutions back to you, so that Amazon board member go, no, I, I can solve that problem for you <laughs> that you think you have, so that's not a problem anymore. That person's all in. They're in that business with you. They're in that message that you're sharing with you, their co-creators. That's why I just really like the way you framed it there, because I think it's just a very, very different experience where people take part in an activity that they feel like they also shaped, that met the problems that they have, that are personalized, and then they've taken ownership and moved it forward. So it's a really interesting way, whether you're doing a talk or a pitch, if you will, because now you're working on their problem together. The people who are best at this, they have specific points in their presentation that are meant for co-creation. So they don't wait to be interrupted or for the other side to bounce in. You know, they have specific moments chunked out, kind of like they have the, even a slide that's like, okay, it's your turn. I love this experience map, if you describe it. I know you probably have a specific term. I, I look at it just for people who are listening. There's a beginning, middle, and an end. I was surprised to talk. Okay, great. But there's this notion of the golden window at the beginning, the big finish at the end, and then all these magic moments that you sort of have talked about, about creating along the way. And you even have a visual where you're almost like plotting out an energy gram about how you sort of want these ebbs and flows, if you will, of the story to go. There's a real science here about constructing what is also got serendipity and risk and co-creation opportunities, as you say, in it. So first of all, what's the golden window? And tell us a little bit about why that matters. Yeah. The golden window is the first 30 seconds of your presentation. And it doesn't matter whether you're giving a five-minute business pitch or a one-hour keynote. It's the first 30 seconds that the people watching are saying to themselves, do I know what this is? Have I seen something like this? And if they have, then their brain is like, cool, go into autopilot now. And if you do something during those first 30 seconds that says, this is different, this is not like what you've seen before, then their brain will be like, all right, we will maintain power and continue to pay attention. And so you have a very limited window of time in which to do that. So don't use your first 30 seconds to be like, I'm so happy to be here. This hotel is beautiful. The audience is amazing. This event is so inspiring. Like that's 30 seconds. You're done. They've checked out. I was out. in autopilot there. Hang on, hang on. I got to get out of <laughs> autopilot after that. You have to do something right now to grab their attention and take it in a different direction. And that's the thing about surprise, Barry. When you're surprised, you're like, oh, your mouth opens, your eyes open, your hands open. You're taking in as much data as possible. And that's when they'll listen to the next thing that you have to say. So it's the most important part of the presentation. What's the best and worst golden window <laughs> that you've seen delivered? I definitely, I'm like the, thanks for being here. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I want to thank the Academy. I think that's just an automatic fail for everybody. And hopefully everyone who listens to this show will never do that again. <laughs> Maybe you can tell us some fun examples of good and bad you've seen. Yeah, I think the best way is to start with a question, something that is engaging to the audience and immediately pulls them in. So when I do the Go Big or Go Home keynote, I walk up on stage. I don't say anything, Barry. The first thing that they hear me say is, what does it feel like to be pitched? 
So you're opening your front door. There's a person there with some kind of form for you to fill out. And they're like, you've been pre-approved. And do you know that feeling that you have so well? And then I say, why don't we make that feeling together as a sound? So on the count of three, I want us to make the sound of what it feels like to be pitched. So I count to three and then we go, okay, let's do it together. One, two, three. Uh. Yeah, just like, but now we've done something different, unique. And then I say, that's how people sometimes feel when we're telling them our ideas. And we don't want that. What we want them to feel like is when a magician pulls off a magic trick. What does that feel like? So then on the count of three, I say one, two, three, and we go, oh, you know, (laughs) that's how we want people to feel. Now, there's a science to making people feel that way. It's a very different opening. My curiosity keynote, I open with a picture of Snoop Dogg and my first words spoken out of my mouth are, who is this and what does he do for a living? And that starts like a really fun conversation and everybody puts away their phone and says, I'm going to pay attention for a little bit, see what this lady's got cooking. Yeah. What's great about that then is for folks when they see this technique and also this tool that you've created, it's a sequence of creating those moments as well to keep people feeling like that was a great moment. I learned something. I can process it a bit. And then here comes the next one. Here comes the next one. Here comes the next one. That is like, again, such a fun, fun way to manage energy as well from people because people can't be at 100% energy the whole way through. (laughs) But you're very aware of that in how you can construct these sort of messages that you're sharing with people. Now's the time to listen. Now's the time to have fun. Now's the time to relax for a little bit. Now's the time to actually listen again. They're all great cues. And when you tie that to the emotional moment and the, the learning lesson, that's what sticks. That's what makes more of these moments stick. And it's fascinating to see the thought and the research and the depth that you've gone into this, but also the practicality that you've presented it to people. As I said, I'm going to go use this. <laughs> I talk I'm just about to give. So that would be fun to sort of share how that goes. So for folks then who are trying to get started with this, maybe they are a sales team leader. Maybe they're given a talk for their friends, their family, for work. They have an idea that they want to explain to people and they've never had a way to like communicate it correctly. Like, What would be your advice for them to how they could get started? Yeah, I want you to think about what you're going to say separately from how you're going to say it. So you come up with the substance of what it is that you're trying to communicate. And then, as Barry explained, you kind of plot it out on this chart exactly where the highs and lows of the presentation are going to go. And you make sure there aren't too many lows. Like you don't put the tax and competitors and compliance sections all in a row. That's not the golden moment. (laughs) Let's talk about compliance. That'll get you (laughs) straight away. Yeah. Maybe you make some jokes during the compliance section. I don't know, but something because you understand the lull that your audience is going to be in. And when they're in that emotional lull, their brains just want to go into power save mode. And so you're going to lose them for the rest of the presentation. I want people to think about how they're going to deliver. And again, think about how they make people feel in moments as opposed to the talk as a whole. So what are those moments? And I think the book outlines a really easy to follow protocol of when you need a moment to make somebody feel special, do one of these five things. Yeah, no, it's awesome. 
one of the things to really underline with is, you know, when you can communicate ideas concisely, that's the dream, right? I didn't have time to write your short letter, so I wrote your long one. This is very focused, very specific, packed with really actionable things. Again, it's like, it's just how quickly you can put these ideas into action and be effective. And I think that's a huge part about great tools and great methods for people. So it's fantastic. So for anybody out there who's thinking about going big or going home, how can you convince them that they should go big rather than go home? It's about having a presentation or a pitch that's really important to you. And I think that's at the heart of it. It's one that you don't want to lose. It's one that will change the face of your business or you just want to be memorable for an important reason because it takes a little bit of effort to do some of the things that connect with people on a whole new level. But when you are able to execute, whether you win the pitch or not doesn't matter. You are going to build a relationship with that person. And I think this is the future of relationship building when we have so little of people's attention and time and you need to build trust and connection. This is an incredible way to get past all the roadblocks that people try to set for themselves. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Well, look, it's always great to have you on. It's a super book. I highly recommend people check it out. Thank you for drinking a cup with Unlearn written on it. Look at this. Unbelievable. I should just hire you for promos. Thank you for all these gifts that you brought to this fantastic show. I just want to end on a surprising note. Barry, I made my own Unlearn swag. You actually made a cup. You with have a new logo. I don't have. With the new logo. Thank you. <laughs> that I don't even have. That's even better. Is that better than the tag, the luggage tag? I don't know. It's They're both oh, kind it's of awesome. Oh, toss up. Mm-hmm. One's for home and one's for on the road. So, you know, there's a multi-function. Great. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's always a pleasure to hang out, hear what you're doing. And these are great tools that people are really going to value and use. Barry, I didn't just bring gifts for you. I brought a gift for your entire audience. And it's not a quiz or something. I brought the whole book. If they don't want to buy it, I want to give it to them. And it's super easy. If you want a copy of the book... I mean, it's available on Amazon. But if you just want me to give you a copy, just send me an email. I'm Diana at dianacander.com and I'll send you a digital copy for free. I just want to hear why you want to read it. Easy peasy, right, Barry? Lemon squeezy. Thanks for being on. My pleasure. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that show, but I'm even more delighted to share the exciting news. I've recently co-founded a new venture studio named Nobody Studios. Now, Venture Studio is a vehicle for the rapid creation of new companies from ideation to acceleration and growth. And our purpose at Nobody Studios will be to de-risk pre-seed stage business ideas. We'll do this by minimizing the time, speed and capital involved in validating truly repeatable and scalable business models before any significant venture investment. We've an audacious goal to start 100 compelling companies over the next five years. And who knows how many beyond that? So if you're interested in radically changing the way work is done, how products are created, companies built and funded, even democratizing the wealth creation and how returns are distributed, this could be the business for you. We're looking for talent, capital, and influence. If you wish to contribute any or all of these, just get in touch. You can follow us on nobodystudios.com, on our LinkedIn page, all the social media accounts, or simply my newsletters and what I'm sharing. We'll be launching a truly innovative crowdfunding campaign, and I'd be honored if you'd be willing to join us on this journey and become a nobody yourself.